guys welcome to odd pod to the odd broad this is the odd broad herself and i'm joined by so today we're going to be doing a quick little psa uh, for those people who actually listen and do want to do collabs i ask this in general please do not ask me personal questions i.e where i work my bra size anything like that that's a total no-no and i will not tolerate that i will block you and whatnot so Please, no personal questions like that. Thank you. That's all I wanted to do, is get that off of my chest, because I'm like, eh. I should or shouldn't I, but yeah, I'm going to fucking say that. Don't ask me where I work. Don't ask where I live. Don't ask, you know, really personal questions, because you're not going to get some nice answers. Plus, if you listened close enough, you would have already figured out where yeah. we work. Yeah. And also, uh, do not try to make any false threats against me, because that's fucked up. Alright, groovy, sweet, awesome. Now that we got that shit out of the way, uh, we are going to be finishing up the West Memphis 3 tonight. Where we last left off, we left off at the um, investigation and So... investigation we noticed a lot of discrepancies within uh witnesses statements affidavits there was a lot of shit that was not making any sense so did i remind you guys i got my information from wikipedia and murderpedia for you guys do not know murderpedia is the wikipedia of serial killers so here we go miss trials (laughs) sorry my bad trials not child trials Miss Kelly was tried separately, and Eccles and Baldwin were tried together in '94. Under the Burton Bruton rule, Miss Kelly's confession could not be admitted against his co-defendants. Thus, he was tried separately. All three defendants pleaded not guilty. Miss Ke- Kelly's trial. During Miss Kelly's trial, Richard Offshe, an expert in false confessions and police coercion and professor of sociology at UC Berkeley, testified that the brief recording of Miss Kelly's interrogation was a classic example of police coercion. So, I kind of figured that was coerced because, like, you know, they kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. Look at how many hours, uh, close to 28 hours of interrogation. And he's tired. He doesn't want to be questioned the same shit over and over and over. For he, another t- probably three days. Yeah. He doesn't want to fucking fight sick, you know, just like he's going to say anything just so he can just like have it stopped. And not to mention he was still a minor and his father did not give them permission to interrogate him. And he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here we go. Critics have also stated Miss Kelly's various confessions were that in many respects inconsistent with each other, as well as the particip- particulars, uh, particulars of the crime and murder victims, including, for example, an admission that Miss Kelly watched Damien rape one of the boys. Police had initially suspected that the victims had been raped because of their anuses were dilated. However, there was no forensic evidence indicating that the murder boys had been raped. Dilation of the anus was a, uh, is a normal postpartum condition, which is actually true because um, 
when you're when you're dead, when the body starts to decompose, muscles start to relax, things start to open more, um, things leak out. That's why people get glass butt plugs up their butts in mortuaries. Mm-hmm. I've seen it done. All right, here we go. This tastes different. I'm drinking Monster. I'm drinking the Papillon, which is butterfly. Tastes good though. life plus 40 years in prison his conviction was appealed but the arkansas supreme court affirmed the conviction eccles and baldwin's trial three weeks later eccles and baldwin went to trial the prosecution accused the three young men of committing a satanic murder the prosecution called dale w griffiths a graduate in an unaccredited columbia pacific university as an expert in the occult to testify the murders and that were a satanic ritual okay this is where i have a Big fucking problem with this guy. A big fucking problem. And I'm raising. More so than normal. I am, yeah, more so than normal. I am raising my voice for this one because I watched the fucking documentary. I watched how because they, they did have recordings of the the courts uh, the court hearings and this motherfucker was so contradicting and not to mention he was so falsely giving so many false information, so much false information about occult and all this other shit. And you're like, oh my God, where the fuck did this guy get his degree? And it's like, he got his degree from the back of a magazine. That's how I felt. That's how my mom felt when we were watching this shit. And we're like, what the fuck, you know? But this dude really fucking pissed me off. And it takes a lot, a lot to piss me off. I mean, don't get me wrong. Trust me, I've heard her rant on the whole yeah on a lot of shit and this is like stuff we don't record <laughs> okay um fuck but seriously this dude was this dude literally to me personally he did not have a fucking clue what he was talking about all right continuing on sorry about my little outburst there okay. said his knowledge was limited to what was on tv see that's what i was talking about word of mouth the media because how did they know there was a leak in the fucking police spot in the police station so the prosecution claimed that eccles's knowledge was nonetheless too close to the facts since there was no public reporting of the drowning or one of the victims had been mutilated or the others eccles testified to detective ridge's description of this earlier the earlier conversation which was not recorded regarding to those particular details was inaccurate. And indeed, some of the other claims by Ridge were lies. Mara Leverett, an investigative journalist and the author of Devil's Knot, argues that Echo's information may have come from police leaks, such as Detective Gitchell's comments to Mark Byers that circulated amongst the local public. That's the fucking thing I told you, right? Leaks. There were so many fucking leaks. They were like they weren't supposed to give out that certain information. Had oh, see, this is where he probably got the information, you know. So that's how he could have. Pretty much everyone in the 
that basically because the fucking cop went up to him and told the, fa- told the father, hey, you know, your your stepson, but you know, it's just. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then them telling their neighbor and it's so on. It's so on. Yeah. The defense team um, objected and the prosecution attempted to question Eccles about his past violent behaviors, but the defense objections were overruled. Okay. Aftermath. Criticism of the investigation. Well, there's been a widespread criticism of how the police handled the crime scene. Ms. Kelly's former attorney, Dan Stidham, might cite multiple substantial police errors in the crime scene. Yes, there was. Mm-hmm. Characterizing as it has literally trampled, especially the creek bed. The bodies had been removed from the water before the coroner arrived to examine the scene and determine the state of rigor mortis, allowing the bodies to decay on the creek bank and be exposed to sunlight and insects. The police did not telephone the coroner almost until two hours after the discovery of the floating shoe, resulting in a late appearance by the coroner. Officials failed to drain the creek in a timely manner and secure possible evidence in the water. The creek was sandbagged after the bodies were pulled from the water. Stidham calls. Yes. See, this is what I'm talking about. They mishandled this case so fucking bad. All right. Stidham calls the coroner's investigation extremely substandard when there was a small amount of blood found in the scene that was never tested. According to the HBO documentaries, Paradise lost the child murders at Robin Hood Hills and Paradise lost two revelations. No blood was found at the crime scene, indicating that the location where the bodies were found was not necessarily the location where the murders actually happened. After the initial investigation, police failed to control disclosure of the information and speculation about the crime scene. According to Leverett, police records were a mess. To call them disorderly will be putting putting it mildly, I say so. Uh, Leverett, Leverett. If those policemen were still in fucking job afterwards, they were lucky. For real. One up royally. According to Leverett, police records royally. were a mess. Yeah. Royally, you at least have a chance of making a mistake. Seriously. Uh, they spe- she speculated that a small local police force was overwhelmed by the crime, which was unlike any they had ever investigated. Police refused an unsolicited offer of aid and consultation from the violent crimes expert at the Arkansas State Police. They offered you fucking help, and you little big small cops fucking thought you guys could take care of it. That's a problem right there. That was the problem, then they were That's a fucking help. ego. That's an ego problem right there. That is a fucking ego problem. Because no matter how many times you see it, they have. Oh my god. Yeah. This fucking, this fucking case did it for me, guys. I was like, what the fuck? When I was watching the video, I was watching the, the um, documentary, which I found on Discovery Plus. Uh, also, I have the book Devil's Knot. So, you know, I read it. I was pissed off the whole time I read it. It's like, it was back and forth. It was like a back and forth tangent of they did this, but they didn't do this. And then the person, their so-called occult expert, was being so contradictive. And it was so fucking, oh my god. It was just annoying. All right. Uh, let's see. Put it simply, if I wasn't here for something, she probably would have I probably would have. All right. Here we go. Uh, let's see. Where did we go? Okay. All right. And critics suggested this was due to the WMPDs being under investigation by the state police for a suspected death from the Crittenden County Drug Task Force. 
Lovett further noted that some of the physical evidence was stored in paper sacks obtained from a supermarket with the super bags and supermarkets named on the bag. What the fuck? AKA everything about it was fucked. They really didn't give a shit. Rather than containers of known controlled origin, when police speculated about the assailant, the juvenile probation officer assisting the scene of uh, the murder speculated that Eccles was capable of committing these murders, stating it looks like Damien Eccles finally killed someone. This is what I'm talking about. Okay, this is what I was fucking talking about. All right, guys. You can't assume anything is, anybody is guilty like that. There has to be probable cause. Probable fucking cause. There was no probable cause there. And unfortunately, a lot of cold cases end up like this. Either one, no information was actually able to be obtained, which unfortunately does happen. Two, miscommunication amongst the fucking law enforcement. Exactly. And then for the for the juvenile probation officer to go ahead and fucking pinpoint, pinpoint who they fucking think did it, that's a problem right there. Pinpointing a crime on someone who you have no evidence about. Maybe, you know, maybe this kid, he probably had a, kid, a grudge against this kid, you know? Who the, who fucking knows, you know? Like, probably pe- did have a grudge. Oh my god. Okay. Based on that tone. Exactly. Brent Turvey, a forensic scientist and criminal profile, stated that in the film Paradise Lost 2 that human bite marks could have been left at least on one of the victims. However, these potential bite marks were first noticed in photographs after years that the trial were not inspected by board-certified medical examiner until four years after the murders. The what? De- yes, that's what it says. The defense expert testifies that the mark in question was not an adult bite mark. While experts put on a stake concluded that there was no bite mark at all, the state experts also had examined the actual bodies for any marks. The others conducted an expert photo analysis of, upon in, of injuries. Upon further examination, it was concluded that if these marks were bite marks, they did not match any of the teeth marks of the three convicted. All right, so... But they legit had evidence of the actual person. But they didn't fucking test it. Exactly. Appeals and new evidence. Unfortunately, yeah. people, one big issue with DNA. After yeah. the person's dead... And they start decaying. Your time is very limited. Yeah, you have an, you have a certain amount of time to collect all the evidence and, after, and all that. Yeah, before the body and if it's starts. And say a year or you're pretty much already yeah. late. Okay, in the, in the case, guys, remember in the case of uh, John Lane Gacy and Dean Coral, they used Lyme to advance decomp, so they wouldn't know how the person died. But when they were digging bodies out of Gacy's house. There was various state of decomp because of the lime use, but the various state of decomps actually was kind of like a, t- they created a timeline of like how the person was um, murdered. And it went the same way as Dean Coral's. Dean, Dean Coral's victims were the same because, you know, Gacy got his idea of strangulation and all how to get rid of the bodies from Coral. So, here we go. On May 1994, the three defendants appealed their convictions. The convictions were upheld on direct appeal on June um, 1996. Ms. Kelly's lawyer, Dan Stidham, was preparing, was preparing to appeal to the U.S. State uh, U.S. Supreme Court. My bad. 
The 2007 Echoes petition for a retrial based on the statute permitting lost post-conviction testing of DNA evidence due to uh, technological advances made since 1994, which might prov uh, provide exoneration for the wrongfully convicted. However, the original trial judge, Judge David Burnett, disallowed presentation of this information on his court. This ruling was in, was in turn thrown out by the Arkansas Supreme Court as all three to all three defendants on November 2004, 2010. Okay, all right, here we go. John Mark Byers Knife, 1993. John Mark Byers, the adoptive father of Victor, victim Christopher Byers, gave a knife to the cameraman Doug Cooper, who was working with documentary makers Joe Berlinger, Berlinger and Bruce Sanofsky while filming the first Paradise Lost feature. The knife was a folding hunting knife manufactured by Kershaw. According to the statements given by Berlinger and uh, Sanofsky, um, Cooper informed them of this receipt, recept of the knife on the, December 19, to, to 1993. After the documentary crew returned to New York, Berlinger and Sanofsky were reported to have discovered what appeared to be blood on the knife. Oh, my God. HBO executives ordered them to return the knife to... The West Memphis Police Department. The knife was not received by the... Um, but it was not received at the West Memphis Police Department until January 8th, 1994. Byers initially claimed the knife had never been used. However, after blood was found on the knife, Byers stated he had used it only once to cut deer meat. When the blood, when the told the blood matched both his and Christopher's blood type, Byers said he had no idea how blood might have gotten onto the knife. During interrogation, West Memphis police suggested Byers that he might have left on the, uh, the knife out accident. And with Byers agreed with this, Byers later stated that he may have cut his thumb. However. Further testing of the knife produced inconclusive results to the source of the blood. Uncertainly remained due to the small amount of blood and because both John Marks Byers and Chris Byers had the same HLA-DQA genotype. Byers agreed to a pass and agreed to and passed a polygraph test about the murders during the filming of Paradise Lost 2 Revelations, but the documentary indicated that Byers was under the influence of several psychoactive prescription medications that could have affected the test results. Alright. Oh my god. Okay. So, possible teeth imprints, 1996 and 97. This is, we're going through the evidence right now. Following the convictions, Eccles and Miss Kelly and Baldwin submitted the prints of the imprints of the teeth. These uh, were compared to the alleged bite marks on Stevie Branch's forehead that had not been mentioned in the original autopsy or trial. No matches were found. Uh, John Mike Spire had his teeth removed in 97 after the first trial, before, but before an imprint could be made, he stated, stated that reasons for the removal are apparently contradictory. He claimed both that his seizure, uh, seizure medication he was taking caused a periodontal disease, and he had planted uh, the removal because other kinds of dental problems which had troubled him for years. I call bullshit. After an expert examined the autopsy photos and noted that what he thought might be the imprint of a belt buckle on Byers' corpse, the elder Byers revealed to the police that he had spanked his stepson early, shortly before the boy had disappeared. That is actually fact, because he literally told the cops, I gave him a few licks before early before the other day, and he, that's what he kind of thought was kind of the precursor of him might running away. So he did spank him before he he before he disappeared. Unfortunately, spankings are normal. Yeah, 
in childhood moments. And if you're being a disciplined child, a parent, child, yeah, whatever. Okay. If you actually punish your kid for fucking up. Yeah. All right. Remember Vicki Hutchinson? I brought her up earlier. Mm-hmm. Vicki Hutchinson's recantation. Oh, 2003, in October 2003, Vicki Hutchinson, who had played a part in the arrest of Miss Kelly Eccles and Baldwin, gave an interview to the Arkansas Times. Yeah, Arkansas Times, in um, which she stated that every word she had given to the police was a fabrication. She further asserted that the police had implied that if she did not cooperate with them, they would take away her child. Good lord. Yeah. <laughs> AKA the police were fucking threatening them. That is so fucked up. She said when she visited police station, employees had photographs of Echoes, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly on the wall and were using them as dart targets. She also claims that the audio tape in the police set was unintelligible and they eventually lost, was perfectly clear and contained no incriminating statements. So she said the cops basically forced her to lie, lie or they were going to take her kid away. There is so many more issues than just fucking drugs disappearing in that place. For real? There is an issue of abuse of law enforcement. Like, what crack were they smoking? Hell, I think it's more than just crack at that point. Fucking doing every single drug in that building. For real, look at they stole- they, like they were getting investigated by the state police. That fucking says something. That means that not only did that county not have at that point, any permission to be worrying about doing a case. <laughs> they, had to, they should have had the fucking state police do it only. Exactly. All right. DNA testing and new physical evidence. 2007. All right. And 2007 DNA collected from the same crime scene was tested. None of the, um, none of, none was still found that had matched the Eccles or Baldwin or Miss Kelly. So none of the DNA that was matched. found there matched them. A hair not consistent with Steve, Steve Branch's father, Terry Hobbs, was found on, tied into the knots used to bind one of the victims. The prosecutors, while con, um, conceding that no DNA evidence tied the accused to the crime scene, he said the state stands behind his convictions of Eccles and his co-defendants. Pamela Hobbs, May 5, 2009, declaration in the United States District Court, Eastern District of Arkansas, Western Division, indicates that one hair was... Uh, uh, the hair consistent with the hair of Terry's friend David Jacoby and I'm going to read a little passage here additionally to the murders my sister Jolene McCauley and I found Terry's nightstand um, in Terry's nightstand ah fuck in we, Terry's we, nightstand yeah Terry's nightstand thank you very much I can't talk for shit guys when I get fucking heated I start like mispronouncing words and it's fucking I'm, bad and I'm lucky for her I have no choice but to be able to read shit yeah he's he's my he's my backup guys <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what I'd do with the Golden Matthew right now. Especially for the fact that if I couldn't read shit properly, I'd be fucked for what I do on Raw Pad. <laughs> so I found a knife. I found in Terry's nightstand a knife that Stevie could, that Stevie carried with him constantly, and I, which I had believed was with him when he died. It was a pocket knife that my father had given to Stevie, and Stevie loved that knife. I had been shocked that the police did not find it with Stevie and when they found his body. I had always assumed that my son's murderer had taken the knife during the crime, but I could not believe it was in Terry's things. He had never told me he had it. Uh, also, my jo- sister Jolene had told me that she saw Terry wash clothes, bed linens, and, c- and curtains from Stevie's room at the odd time around the murders. 
There was additional new uh, discover- evidence discovered in 2007 that I cannot now recall. So, that no. may be a possible fucking suspect. Be- the two big suspects I'm thinking of. The dad. Dads. The dads. And that fucker. Yeah, they're both dads. They're, 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 oh, oh God. Hell. Four men in jury misconduct. Here we go, 2008. Ooh, Depeche Mode. People are people, so why should it be? Okay, don't get me started on that. <laughs> All right, in July 2008, was a, um, it was revealed that Kent Arnold, the jury foreman on the Echoes Baldwin trial, had discussed the case with an attorney prior to the beginning of deliberations. Arnold was accused of advocating for the guilt and the guilt of the West Memphis Three and sharing knowledge of inadmissible evidence, like the Jesse Miss Kelly statements with other jurors at the time. Legal experts agreed that this issue could result in reversal of the conviction of Jason Baldwin and Damian Eccles. They should have gotten a reversal fucking negatives ago. Seriously. <laughs> in September 2008, attorney now judge Daniel Stidham, oh, he's a judge now, who represented Miss Kelly in 94, testified that a post-conviction relief hearing uh, Stidham testified under oath that during the trial, Judge David Burnett aired that making an improper communication with the jury during the deliberations. Stidham overheard Judge Burnett discuss taking a lunch break with the jury foreman and heard the foreman reply that the jury was almost finished. He testified that Judge Burnett responded, you'll need food for when you come back to for sentencing, and that for foreman asked in return what would happen if the defendant was acquitted. Stidham had said the judge had closed the door without answering. He testified that his own failure to put this incident on the court record and failure to meet the minimum requirements in state law to represent the defendant in a capital murder case that was evidence of ineffective assistance of counsel and that Miss Kelly's conviction should have been vacated. So he kind of like figured something was up between the judge and the foreman, but he should have said something that that way he would have been like, he would have been vacated. Unfortunately, he, he didn't. Which he probably regretted greatly. Probably. Request for retrial, 2007 to 2010. And um, and, uh, October 29, 2007, papers were filed in federal court by Echols defense lawyers seeking a retrial on his his immediate release from prison. Filing a cited DNA evidence linking Terry Hobbs, the stepfather of one of the victims, to the crime scene. New statements from Hobbs' now ex-wife also presented a filing of the new expert Mm -hmm. testimony that the supposed knife marks on the victims, including the injuries to buyer's genitals, were in fact the result of animal predation after the bodies had been dumped. On September 10, 2008, Circuit Court Judge David Burnett denied the request for a retrial, citing the DNA test was inconclusive, that the ruling was appealed to the Arkansas Supreme Court, which heard oral arguments on the case on September 30, 2010. The Arkansas Supreme Court ruling, 2010, November 4th, the Arkansas Supreme Court ordered a lower judge to consider whether newly analyzed DNA may be, uh, might exonerate the three. The justices also instructed the lower court to examine claims, uh, claims of misconduct by the jurors who sentenced Damon Eccles to death and Je- Jesse Miss Kelly and Jason Baldwin to life in prison. In early 2000, De- December 2010, J- David Burnett was elected to the Arkansas State Senate. How the fuck is he even a, how is he still a judge? Now he was elected to a state senate. Uh, it's okay. The state of racist or people. Circuit. I forgot this corner. That's sister fucking USA, right? One of the. 
Uh, Circuit Court Judge David Laser was selected to replace David Burnett and preside in the evidentiary hearings mandated by the successful appeal. Plea deal and release, 2011. After states of negotiations of 20, um, of August 19, 2011, Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly were released from prison as part of a plea deal, making the hearings ordered by the Arkansas Supreme Court unnecessary. The three entered into an unusual Alford plea deals. The Alford plea is a legal mechanism that allows defendants to plead guilty while asserting their actual innocence in cases where defendants concede that prosecutors have sufficient evidence to secure a conviction. Stephen Braga, an attorney with Ropes and Gray, who took, it, um, took up Echols' defense on a pro bono basis beginning in 2009, negotiated the plea agreement with the prosecutors. Under the deal, Judge David Laser vacated the previous convictions, including the capital murder convictions for Echols and Baldwin, and ordered a new trial. Each man entered an Alfred plea to lead lesser to charges of first and second degree murder. While verbally stating their innocence, Judge Laser then sentenced them to time served, a total of 18 years and 78 days. They were each given a suspended imposition of sentence of 10 years. If they reoffend, they could be sent back to a prison for 21 years. Factors cited by Prosecutor Scott Ellington for agreeing that the plea deal included that two of the victim's families had joined the cause of defense, that the mother of a witness who testified about Echo's confession had requested that questioned her daughter's truthfulness, and that the state crime lab employee collected fiber evidence at Echo's and Baldwin's homes that their arrest had died. As part of the plea deal, the three men cannot pursue civil action against the state for wrongful imprisonment. Many of the men's supporters and opponents who still believe in them guilty were unhappy with the unusual plea deal. In 2011, supporters pushed Arkansas Governor Mike um, Beebe, Bebby or Beebe, I don't know how I want to say it, whatever, whatever the fuck, to pardon Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly based on their innocence. Beebe would deny the request unless the three were, there was evidence showing someone else committed the murders. Prosecutor Scott Ellington said the Arkansas State Crime Laboratory could, would seek other suspects by running searches on any DNA evidence produced in a private laboratory dissolved, test during the defense team's investigation. This would include running the results through the FBI's combined DNA index system. Um, Ellington said that although he still considered the men guilty, the three would likely be acquitted if a new trial were held because of the powerful legal counsel representing them now. The loss of evidence over time and the change of heart among some of the witnesses. Okay. Family and law enforcement option, opinions. Options. They were options. Uh, the family of the three victims were divided in their opinions to as the guilt or innocence of the West Memphis Three. In 2000, the biological father, Christopher Byers, Rick Murray, expressed his doubts of the guilty verdicts on the West Memphis Three. In uh, 20s, nah. 2007, Pamela Hobbs, the victim of Steve Branch, joined those saying they should, who had publicly questioned the verdicts, calling them a reopening of the verdicts and further investigation of the evidence. In late 2007, John Mark Spires, who previously ve vehement his beliefs that Echoes, Miss Kelly, and Baldwin were guilty, also announced that he now believes that they are innocent. I made the comment of the if I, I made the comment, if it were ever proven that they were innocent, I'd be the first to lead the charge to their freedom. And Byers said, and take every opportunity that I have to voice that the most Memphis three are innocent and the evidence have proof that they're innocent. Byers has spoken to the media on behalf of the convicted and has expressed his desire for justice for the families to both of the victims and the three accused. 
2010, the judge, uh, district judge, uh, district judge Brian S. Miller ordered Terry Hobbs, the stepfather of Stevie Branch, to pay $17,590 to Dixie Chick singer Natalie Means for legal costs stemming to the defamation lawsuit he filed against the band. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to laugh at that. Miller dismissed a suit. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what the fuck he did. Uh, Miller dismissed the suit. Hobbs filed over Maine's remarks and writings implying that he was involved in killing his stepson. And Judge said to Hobbs had chosen to involve himself in a public discussion over whether the convictions were just. John E. Douglas, a former longtime FBI agent and current criminal profile, said that these murders were an indicative of a single murderer intent on degrading and punishing the victims. Then a trio of unsupported teenagers... Douglas believed that the perpetrator had a violent history and was um, familiar with the victims and the local geography. Douglas was formerly FBI unit chief for 25 years of the investigative support unit of the National Center for Analysis of Violent Crime. He stated that his report for Echo's legal team and that there was no uh, evidence the murders were linked to satanic rituals and that post-mortem animal predation could explain the alleged knife injuries. He also said that the victims had died from a combination of blunt force trauma and drowning and crime which he believed had was driven by a personal cause. So if you guys want to see any documentaries on this, on this whole case, this is where you can look for them. Paradise Lost, a childhood mur- child murders at Robin Hood Hills, Paradise Lost 2, Revelations, and per- like Paradise Lost uh, 3, Purgatory. They're all directed by Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sanofsky. <sighs> they have documented the case and were strongly uh, critical of the verdict, and these films also the first time Metallica allowed their music to be used in a movie. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry, you had to laugh at that. There are also been a number of books um, about this case. I actually have one of the books. It's called um, Devil's Knot by Mara Leverett, Blood of Innocence by Guy Real, and The uh, Last Pentacle of the Sun, Writings in Support of the West Memphis Three. So that's is where she can actually watch those. And you'll find the West Memphis Three thing on Discovery+. Plus. So, so wherever you found it, we're not going to judge. Yeah, there's actually... Um, songs. Some people wrote the songs. Some songs. Remember how we're saying rock stars were involved in this shit? Okay, so the album Free the West Memphis 3 was released by Coke, uh, by Coke Records, organized by Eddie Spaghetti, the band Super Suckers. The band featured a number of original songs about the case and other recordings by artists by such as Steve Early, Tom Waits, L7, and Joe Strummer. Henry Rollins worked on the local, with other vocalists from various rock, hip-hop, punk, and metal groups and members of Black Flag and the Rollins Band in a compilation of Rise Above, 24 Black Flag songs to benefit the West Memphis Three. For those of you guys who don't know, Henry Rollins is a punk singer. Uh, he's also an actor. Um, and I feel like he felt they were innocent as well. Yeah, so... Uh, Free to Three on 2000, uh, in 2011, on April 20, released on 20, ah, fuck, April 28th on 2011 by the band Disturbed, released a title called Three, um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, controversies, yeah, there's a lot of controversies, there actually, there's a song called, a um, show called Wrongfully Convicted, that's what I was talking about, what I found on, um, Discovery and that's Plus, you discovered this case, and you're like, yeah, and was, then you started getting heated. Yeah, so the thing was when I when I found out about found out about this case was my mom was watching this show and I was like, okay, well, I'll check it out, you know. So you started watching it, 
started watching. I started watching, and I was like, this is fucked up. Unfortunately, that's crazy. Unfortunately, this is the same thing I was getting my tattoo done, so I was like, kind of like really paying attention to it and all that shit. And then like when I got home, I was like, all right, I'll finish watching it when I get home from getting my tattoo done. Yeah. Long story short, I'm like, okay, I'm watching this. And then we go, I had to go get my, my vaccine shot, my um, COVID vaccine shot. So I'm fully vaccinated. Yay. <laughs> Yay. High five. Teamwork. <laughs> and then, well, but I sat there, and my, my mom likes to, like, well, we like to go to Google. She likes to go to Google to find some, like, different things. I like to go because of the books. Anyways, I found the devil's not there, so I kind of took that as a sign to fucking do this one. And I knew it was going to get Matthew heated because of all the fucking discrepancies in the fucking case. There's one thing she's learned about me. If I send some BS, I call it the fuck Yeah, out. see, we kind of figured the cops were already shady in the beginning. They were shady the, the fucking in the beginning and then until the end too. They were like shady like, from start to finish. They literally refused help. They were under investigation from the state police. They were like living, literally, literally leaking shit out, which was not fucking cool. And the shit goes on from there. I mean, oh my god. They didn't have to sign the plea deal. They could not go after the cops afterwards. Those cops would have been put in prison for false fucking information. Seriously. All right, guys. So we're going to cut this shit now uh, tonight. Oh, since it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there listening. Um, we're going to be investigate going into the case of Andrea Yates. For those of you guys who don't know, it's Mother's Day. Why not start with a killer mom? All right, guys. Also, for last-minute thought for me, fabricating evidence is a huge crime. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how many people got away with that, too, that was in law enforcement. Unfortunately, too many. Like, yeah. All right, guys. So, catch us on the flip side. We shall see you guys tonight. And... Uh, for all your moms, like I said, happy Mother's Day. This has been Odd Pods with the Odd Broad. And Golden Matthew. We're signing off. Bye. If I could shut it off. <laughs>